When I was just six weeks old, my parents and I left Port Elizabeth in the Eastern Cape and we moved across to the United States for my dad to study. And for the majority of that time, we lived in the city of Dallas, Texas. So I was a citizen of the city of Dallas for some of my very formative years in life, the first 10 years of my life. It was a city where people spoke differently to what I was used to, where they celebrated different holidays and they enjoyed different things. A city where their buckies are called trucks and, and they're all twice as big as any of the buckies around here, right? And a, a city where people did a, an interesting thing with words. They would take two single words and they would smash them together into a singular world like you and all would become y'all. But then just before my 10th birthday, we had finished, my dad had finished his studies and, and we moved back here to South Africa. And we didn't move just anywhere in South Africa. We moved from this big city of Dallas, Texas, straight into the tiny little dorpie of Wellington in the heart funny Boerland. And in many ways, I had something of culture shock as a 10-year-old. I knew three Afrikaans words while I was in America. Ja, nie, and romes. That's what I'd picked up from my English parents trying to talk Afrikaans over there. And I didn't understand these, these games that these very large young boys played like rugby. And all I can say is thank the Lord for an early growth spurt in my 10-year-old body, right? And when I think back on that experience, I think I was, I was probably a little bit too young to really appreciate the radical change that happened in my life from that one move. Moving from being a citizen of the city of Dallas, Texas to being a citizen of the little town of Wellington for the rest of my schooling and formative years. Now today, we're gonna to be launching a new sermon series called Citizens. Because all of us are citizens in, in a few different ways, right? We're citizens of our world in a kind of global sense. We're citizens of our nation. We're citizens of our city. But in this series, we're really gonna focus in on the reality of our most important citizenship, our capital C citizenship as followers of Christ. The scriptures refer to this citizenship as being citizens of heaven or citizens of, of, of the kingdom of God. And this is not just about changing location or learning a new language or learning to play rugby. This is way more important. And yes, the, the ramifications are eternal for us, but the implications are also huge for the way we live our lives right now, right here. And, and this is a crazy, confused world that we live in, right? With all of its pressures and pains and polarizing perspectives. So many, seem of a, so many of us seem to see things heating up all around us and other things are breaking down and it seems like people are more inclined to be divided and, and more aggressive about so many matters. And we can often be left wondering as Christ followers, what does it mean for us to take God's side on important matters? What would He have us do? How would He have us live? And it's into this broken world of ours that God has called us to be in the world, but not of it. The crazy reality that God has both called us out, called us out of this world to be His people. He's rescued us, He's saved us, but then He's also sent us back in, sent us into this world to be bright lights, to be salt, to be a city on a hill. 
as the people of God in, in these dark days. We are the called out ones, but we're also the sent in ones. That's who we are as God's people, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me just say, if you would not consider yourself a Christ follower, we are so glad that you have bravely chosen to, to join us today. And you are so welcome. And we'd love to invite you to take this journey over the next eight weeks with us because I believe it's gonna be a great window into the Christian understanding and belief and worldview on some really important matters facing our world today. But now let's all open up. We're gonna be in our Bibles. We're gonna be in Philippians chapter three. And we're gonna look at things from verse 12 today. And I'm hoping to lay a foundation around the importance of our understanding of our citizenship, of, king, of, of being citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Here in this, in this letter, Paul is writing to uh, the church in Philippi from Rome in AD 60. And the main thrust of his letter is he's trying to display something of the scope of God's eternal plan for all humanity. And really it's a beautiful letter to the church back then in Philippi. And it's also a beautiful letter to us as common ground today. Very different context, a very different time, but many of the same universal challenges. And so let's pick up today in verse 12 and we're gonna to read together. Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Paul has been speaking about laying down his whole life and his human credentials to gain more of Christ. And don't you just love his humility? He's the great apostle Paul, but he recognized that he hasn't arrived yet. He's still a work in progress, just like you and me. I, I love that, that, that humility of Paul. He continues, he says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul wants to reciprocate this action of God towards him and, and taking hold of his life by strengthening his own grip on God's purposes in his life. Verse 13, Paul continues. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has taken hold, has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. These are such rich and well-known words of Paul, right? But I wanna make sure that we see the two beautiful nuggets of truth hidden in here. Do you see them? What is Paul's posture? Remember, he's in jail, right, in Rome, but his posture is one of pressing on. And what is Paul's trajectory? His trajectory is heavenward. These are two in, immensely important things about Paul's life for us to recognize. And we're gonna come back to them a few times through, throughout the sermon today. Paul continues in verse 15 and he says this, he says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Common grounder, can, can I ask you today, do you consider yourself spiritually mature? If so, then Paul is saying, this should be your perspective too. He wants us to know that the sign of maturity is, is not what we have behind us. It's not a great career or major credentials. It's not a great track record of serving God or many hours of serving others or some theological degree that we wear as a badge. No, what Paul is saying that it's our posture of being on the front foot and wanting to press on and it's our heavenly perspective 
perspective right now. Those are the signs of our maturity. I just love Paul's next cheeky little remark here. He says, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. It's like Paul knows, he says, I'm right on this one. He says, you're either gonna hear it from me or you're gonna have to hear it from God. And then he takes things kind of from a different angle. In verse 16, he continues. He said, only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Paul is saying, yes, guys, we've already been given so much in Christ. Let's live up to that. Let's not shrink back. Let's not stand uh, kind of down. Let's stand firm in what we've already obtained. And it's actually interesting. This is not the first time that Paul said this. In in chapter one of the same letter in verse 27, Paul has just said the same thing to them in, in kind of different words. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And the commentators say that Paul is actually in this passage using something of a wordplay about the fact that the church in Philippi, these, these guys would have understand, understood that Rome was a, a col- I mean, Philippi was a colony of Rome. And, and these guys were therefore citizens of Rome. And so Paul's wordplay, he's kind of saying, just like you living out your Roman citizenship in Philippi, so too, I want to urge you to live out your capital C citizenship, your kingdom citizenship in Philippi in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, I really want to make sure that we're getting this today. We are called to be a little bit of heaven breaking into our world. It's like heaven is here and our world is here and, and we citizens of this heavenly realm and, and it's breaking into the world right now. There's this overlapping of the realms and we called to be this representation of heaven breaking into the here and now as capital C citizens of heaven. Gordon Fee, he says, Paul's point is that if people are to see what heaven is to be like, they should be able to see it in the way we heavenly citizens live our lives. And that's where I think Paul's humility is dead right. Because he knows we haven't arrived at this. We're not perfect in this, but yet we press on in common ground today. We know we're not there yet, right? Far from it. We haven't arrived but will we be a people that press on and press in to this capital C citizenship that God has called us to? And I'm hoping this is what this series is gonna be all about. We hope to continue on this journey of maturing in these matters and becoming the people God wants us to become. So let me ask you, are you willing to press on, to go deeper, to allow God to challenge and grow you as a people? Uh, so that you can truly say, as I believe Christ would have us say, in Cape Town as it is in heaven? I hope we can. Let's continue then. Verse 17, Paul carries on. He continues and he says, join together in following my example. Brothers and sisters, and, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. This is interesting, isn't it? Paul has just said he hasn't got it all together. He hasn't arrived at his goal. But now he's saying, follow my example and you have us as a a model. And that I think is because it's clear that Paul doesn't see perfection as the goal because he knows it and we know it. Perfection is not attainable. But Paul is saying that this posture of pressing on and leaning in, even while he's in jail and this heavenly perspective, well, these are the things that are to be emulated and to be followed by us as Christ's followers. 
These are the things that are going to help us to live as God would have us live. And he's an example to us in that. Dead right, eh? And then he continues and he kind of presses the point from a different angle and he brings in a little bit of a warning here. Verse 18, he says, For as I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, you can hear his emotion in this. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And he continues in the next verse and he says, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Do you see how Paul is, is using contrast in his writing here? He uses enemies. We're just now, he was speaking about brothers and sisters. What is their trajectory? Well, it's destruction is what he says. It's not heavenward as he mentioned just now. What is their God? Well, it's, it's their stomach, their indulgences, not Christ. What is their posture? Well, glorying in their shame. He says, or said another word, finding pleasure in their impurity, not pressing on in the purposes of God. And lastly, and most probably most importantly in this contrast, Paul is pointing out what is their perspective? Their mind is set on earthly things, not a heavenly perspective. And Paul's actually speaking here to those who have claimed some sort of light allegiance to Christ, but then have been held captive by, by these earthly pleasures and perspectives and appetites. That's why Paul feels so deeply about this. This is why he's got tears over them. These guys have let their small C citizenship eclipse their capital C citizenship and they've been consumed by it and pulled away. God, may that not be us, right? I know that sometimes my stomach, well, it can be like a God to me and I'm always having to work on that. And often my perspective is, is not at all on heavenly pers- uh, kind of things. It's an earthly perspective, a, a perspective in on earthly things. And as a pastor, I've seen this movie play out over and over again. Great people with a real passion for serving King Jesus. Often over time, often when success happens to people, we see that passion for the true King eclipsed by some other things. They seem to settle for a life of different kind of, a different kind of kingdom building. So how do we avoid that? How do we not get sucked in and consumed and see that movie play out again and again? Well, Well, here comes the clincher for us in this whole series because this is where Paul is gaining his motivation and his understanding, which can cause him to say all these radical things. This is what he says. Verse 20 is the clincher. But our citizenship is in heaven. We as Christ followers have been born again into a heavenly kingdom citizenship. This is such a life altering perspective on on all things in this life. To the point that I find myself saying that if this truth hasn't gripped your heart or if it doesn't move you and if you aren't right now seeing just how important and big this all is, then we need to stop. We need to pause and we need to pray. We need to ask God to open our eyes to the seismic shifts that this understanding, this truth should cause in our lives today and every day. So let's pause and pray even right now. Heavenly Father, We want to come to you. We want to ask you, God, won't you remove the scales from our eyes? Won't you pull back the veil so that we may see the importance of these truths? May we have a a Pauline kind of heavenly citizenship perspective that just settles on our minds. 
We ask this in your name. You're the God who says, if anyone lacks wisdom, come to me. And he who gives abundantly without judgment will give us the wisdom we ask for. And so we ask today, God may right seeing and perceiving lead us to right acting and responding. And may that lead us into walking righteously and, and a righteous response to you and your purposes. We pray this in your name. Open our eyes. King Jesus, we ask. Amen. Now, Paul isn't done just yet. He's got two more verses. He continues in in verse 20, the second kind of half of that. And he says this, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, a savior from heaven. But who, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is our future hope as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus will come again. He'll wrap up human history as we know it. He'll promote even our bodies into end time bodies. And can't we, we can't wait for those, right? And then Paul, he closes this section with these words now. It's true, some translations in chapter three there after verse 20, uh, 21. But I, I, I find that actually this next verse, four verse one is actually really part of the flow of the letter and something of a concluding statement here. This is what Paul's got to say. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Stand firm in the Lord in this way. Paul clearly has got such a huge heart for these people. And as I typed these verses, I I felt my own personal love for you as common ground is just welling up naturally. And I know I speak on behalf of our whole leadership team across the city and all the congregations when I say, you are our dear friends. You're the ones who we love, those we long for, especially in these Corona days, we long to be back together again. You are our joy and our crown. And like Paul, it's our great hope that over these weeks, we will better come, better kind of come to know and understand what it means to stand firm in the Lord in this way. Stand firm in our understanding of citizenship, being citizens of the kingdom of heaven in our world today as brothers and sisters on a trajectory that's heavenward with Christ as our King, with the posture of of pressing on and importantly, with a very clear heavenly perspective. Now, I hope that this Philippians 3 passage has helped us lay something of a foundation for us as we primarily understand ourselves to be capital C, citizens of the kingdom of heaven while we're here on earth. But I think one other kind of vital thing that we need to do in kind of getting to grips with the importance of all of this is also quickly lay a few foundational elements out about what this kingdom that we are citizens about is all, a, citizens of is all about. And as we do, I, I really wanna ask you, won't you consider the scope and implication of these matters for your life? Ask yourself, how does this reality of this kingdom make a difference in my life as a capital C citizen of this kingdom? So here are five quick important things that we need to know about this kingdom that we citizens of. The first thing is this, this kingdom has a king. Jesus is that king. That's why he can boldly say all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Secondly, this 
king has a will and a law. And good news for us, because he is good, his will is to rescue and redeem and see himself glorified by lifting us toward himself. And the law is for the well-being of his citizens. He has a will and a law. Thirdly, this kingdom has a people. That's us. We're the ones who seek first the kingdom. And believe it or not, can you believe God has called us co-heirs, sons and daughters of the king? And and even more scandalously, Paul actually on two different occasions, he speaks about how we're going to rule and reign alongside King Jesus forever. Right now, we're called to live as ambassadors, citizens of this kingdom, representatives of his kingdom. Fourthly, then this kingdom is already, but it's also not yet. And we find ourselves in the overlapping of the ages where this kingdom of heaven is breaking into the current reality. It's, it's not yet fully here though. And we know that. We can look around and see that. That's why Paul can still be on the front foot and he can be pressing on. Even while he's in jail, he knows that he's part of the kingdom coming. And then fifthly, this kingdom has a realm, the realm over which the king governs and in which the rule of the king is is experienced. And that's why the church is so important today. We are a community realm under which the rule and reign of Jesus is seen and no King Jesus is amongst us. And we then sent as the church to extend this kingdom into all of the earth because the church is his chosen vehicle to reach the world's. This is the kingdom that we are citizens of. One true king, his good rule and law to govern our lives and our community and our relationships and our interaction and our mission. And now that sounds all pretty good, right? So why then is it so difficult for us to sometimes live this out? I I can hear many of you saying right now, even, yes, Ryan, that's all true. I see it in the scriptures. But it's a totally different matter to say, yes, Ryan, that is my lived experience and expression and perspective every day. So why is it so hard? Well, firstly, I think it's because we struggle with dual citizenship, right? Just the reality and proximity and immediacy of our earthly small C citizenship is is all around us. It means we can find ourselves somewhat completely focused and taken in by the here and now. The second thing that makes this difficult is I think that we can uh, kind of not be so big on delayed gratification, right? This heavenly kingdom citizenship dynamic, well, at times it can feel more distant and far away. It can feel a little abstract at times. Maybe one day in the future we'll be citizens of heaven, right? Which again can leave us defaulting to grabbing hold of what's more immediate and what this life has to offer right now. Not many people set out to sin and fall away, I don't think. We just slowly get sucked in and consumed by small c citizenship matters in our lives. But here's the deal. If you had to ask me, I think the main thing that makes it hard for us to truly operate as good citizens of the kingdom, capital C citizens, I think it's because we're already pretty busy doing some kingdom building of our own trying to establish our own name, our own rule, our own reign, our own realm, even our own followership online, man. Having people follow you is a huge thing these days. That's what Paul is addressing. He's wanting to warn the church in Philippi against exactly that. 
And I think this other kingdom building naturally happens because we've been raised on a different kind of kingdom worldview in our lives. Now, it's not that kind of olden day kingdom worldview of Braveheart and the wars and the battles. That's way too violent. We can't really associate with that. And it's not the British monarchy kind of view of kingdom. Those guys are way too pompous and pastry for us, pasty for us. And, and they don't really have real authority anyway, do they? But do you wanna know what I think the kind of view of kingdom is that most influences our lives today? It's the Disney kingdom worldview. Now you can laugh. You may think that I'm joking, but I'm not. I totally am not. I genuinely believe that it's this Disney kingdom worldview that is rife in the Western world today and it's floated across the waters and, and it's influencing us right here in South Africa too and in much of the world. I believe it's so unhelpful to our lives and here's why. Firstly, because I think this kind of Disney kingdom worldview, well, it always leads us to think that we are Cinderella and never the stepsisters. We all place ourselves at the center of the story, right? Each story. And that makes it hard for us to come to terms with King Jesus being at the center of our story and the story. Secondly, I think the Disney kingdom worldview gets us to believe that it's always gonna be an end happily ever after in our lives. So it becomes very hard for us then to contend with tough stuff and comprehend why bad things would happen in our lives. This is not the way the story goes. That can be heard as the undertones of our disappointments and in our grief, right? Thirdly, when it comes to this Disney kingdom, I think we got to watch out for buying into the subtle Gnostic undertones in the messaging. Undertones of the message that, that you're all you need to, to overcome in any situation. All you got to do is find the strength and the spark inside yourselves. Then you can overcome. I, I, I think that this is anti-gospel. And it makes it hard for us to think of ourselves as dead in our sins and trespasses. It makes it hard for us to admit that we need a savior and a king. And, and then naturally we don't like to surrender and depend and wait and trust all things God calls us to do. We don't like to feel weak, do we? Got to watch out for those subtle undertones. And then lastly in the Disney kingdom, I'm not sure that you have noticed, but you know what I've noticed? The story always ends and it finds its conclusion in the character's lifetime, which can make it really hard for us to see our lives kind of caught up into the grander ongoing narrative of what King Jesus is doing throughout the ages and just be willing to play our little point and our little part in the here and now. Vulnerably, for me as a person with high achiever in my strengths profile, it's hard for me to accept that I could be a pastor right here in common ground for my whole life long and never get the concluding sense that the battle is done or won or that we have finished. That's why I play Lego in my spare time, right? To be able to build something that is conclusive and finished and, and done. So that's the kingdom worldview, the Disney kingdom worldview. And can you, can you pick up the traces of any of that in your understanding of the way things are? I can, but it's not real. Very seldomly do things work this way. That's why they call it the magic kingdom. But I think it's been pretty successful in shaping many people's unhelpful views of the way things should go or the way things should be in this life. And it's what makes it hard for us to say a full yes to this capital C citizenship, to dethroning ourselves and giving ourselves over to the one true king 
to following his will and his rules rather than our own, to stop building our kingdom and to start building his. And to continuously have Paul's posture of pressing on towards this heavenly goal and that right perspective. And as Paul's taught us, I think we can only get there. We can only live out this capital C citizenship if we do have that right perspective to live by. So I hope you can see that this is really important stuff. It's gonna shape, it's gonna shape how, how we live our lives, what we value, what we invest in. It's gonna shape how we handle the ups and downs of this life. It's gonna shape our identity and our, our understanding of ourselves. It's gonna shape our language and, and our joy in these trying times of COVID. How we relate to each other is gonna be shaped by this understanding and perspective. And hopefully it's gonna animate and color in and bring out the best of our joy in our lives as we step into the fullness of life that God promises the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And it's our hope over the next eight weeks to unpack this lots more. We're gonna be looking at some, some brilliant stuff over the next seven weeks. We're gonna look at the king's dealings with his people throughout scriptures. We're gonna ask, what does it mean to be a, a citizen of heaven and the kingdom in a polarized world, in a consumer world, in an unholy world, in an unjust world, in a socially divided world, and in a hurried world, the world that we live in. And as we've been preparing, Rigby, the rest of the congregation leaders and I, we're all feeling so excited about this journey because we believe that this is going to be a defining and shaping series in the life of our church. We can see that God is shaking some things up in, in our times and in the world today, right? But He's calling us to freshly consider what it means to be His people at this very time. So let me ask you, will you join us in being those who can honestly pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In my life, in my family, in our church, in Cape Town, as it is in heaven. And maybe if you're just looking in, maybe you're freshly feeling the invitation of the King of heaven calling your name. Well, there's an invitation for you too, right? Surrender, express your need for a King and Savior and be welcomed in to this citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. And then join us on this common kingdom adventure. For the rest of us, as Paul said, let's learn to stand firm in the Lord in this way, my dear friends. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that today we can come to you, we can come to your word and we can experience it washing over us as a, a waterfall of grace and truth to our lives. And in these difficult days, polarizing perspectives and pressures and pains experienced by so many. And yet God, you've called us to be citizens that live with hope, that speak grace, that bring your truth, your light into this world. And so God, I just ask that you again would breathe your life upon us as your people. We wanna be citizens that know what it means to live with true joy in trial, live with a vocabulary and a way of seeing things, a front-footedness that Paul expresses of being willing to press on even when it feels like we're in jail. 
God, won't you give us the perspective needed? Won't you open our eyes so that we can be your people and represent you well, that we can be that, that kind of outpost of heaven in our world today? We pray that you would grace us and you would lead us in this journey. In your beautiful name, amen. Amen. Now, before we go today, we're gonna to play out with a quick update video of some of the exciting ways in which Common Ground, our community has practically lived out our kingdom citizenship over this lockdown period. And, and I just wanna say as a leader, thank you to all of you that have been involved in these many different ways. I'm so proud of us as a community. I, I love seeing us live out selflessly these ways of serving others as we seek to fill the city with the message and the life and the fame of King Jesus, right? This is capital C citizenship on display. So let's watch this great feedback video together. Cheers, everyone. On March 15th, 2020, we had our annual Fill the City Sunday, where we laid out plans to fill Cape Town with five gifts in 2020. Later that evening, our president declared a national state of emergency and outlined our country's response to COVID-19. This meant that all our lives suddenly looked very different. We had to ask ourselves, what does serving our city look like in a crisis? How do we be great citizens and contribute meaningfully during a lockdown? The vision and mission did not change, but our strategies had to. We knew that the most vulnerable in our city would be the hardest hit. So Common Good and Common Ground put their heads together to find ways that we could multiply compassion and justice by meeting people's most practical and immediate needs. Food security for at-risk families and face masks to keep people safe. By mid-July, 536 food vouchers had been distributed through our church strengthening, employment, early life and education networks. That is more than 350,000 rands worth of direct relief given over and above our initial for the city ask. In addition, an incredible team of volunteers have sewn, packaged and delivered over 6,000 masks to individuals and communities who desperately need them. Full the City Giving continues to fund Common Goods Early Life, Education and Employment initiatives, which have adapted rapidly to serve the marginalized during the season. This has included the delivery of data-free online learning opportunities in our partner schools and webinars to equip church communities to support vulnerable and isolated young families during lockdown. We have revamped our work readiness curriculum so that it can be used to equip the unemployed through training partners throughout the country. We have multiplied Christ followers by hosting our first ever online Alpha course, where 20 leaders from across the congregations hosted more than 90 people each week. And we heard amazing stories of faith from people who might never otherwise have gone to church. At the M5 plant, which had just launched before lockdown, we started our five life groups to make sure that people stay connected in these potentially isolating times. In our cultural renewal space, our team has put together a seven-week discipleship course on how to live out faith at work. The course is being piloted right now and will be available to all Common Grounders in the third term. To help strengthen churches in under-resourced areas, we use this lockdown time to put six pastors through an online counseling course. Andre, the gift champion for church strengthening, is also leading a small group of pastors through an eight-week church planters mentorship program. 
we are printing the What's So Amazing About Jesus booklet to distribute to their congregations, as well as making it available digitally. Next, we are moving on to translating our Ignite booklet into Kosa and the Jesus devotional into French. Thank you so much to those of you who are giving generously and sacrificially during these uncertain times. The church is called to be a blessing in every season, and you have helped fill the city with the message, life, and fame of Jesus.